right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Call to Action podcast. Today is Thursday, May 7th, and we have a very special guest on with us today, Kent State Women's Golf Coast, Lisa Strom. Lisa, how are you today? Doing great, you guys. Thank you so much for, for having me on. It's, uh, you know, just a great experience, great time to yeah. catch up with everybody and kind of share some of the good stuff. Yeah, exactly. We've been trying to trying to get everybody on here, well, but everyone's a little different during this time. How's uh how's quarantine treating you? Have you been able to play some golf at all, or what have you been up to? Yeah, you know, I wish I could say that I've played a little bit more. I played nine holes over at Portage Country Club. The head pro is a former Kent State player, mm-hmm. so Murray had us out there and um, walked and played nine. It's actually a great evening, um, but other than that, have not played any more golf than that. Wow. So. Uh, unlike some of some of the people I've talked to who are playing a ton more. Um, yeah. I haven't really been able to do that. But, you know, hey, two birdies, two bogeys. Yeah, we'll take it. Take it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, – the weather here doesn't clearly help. I mean, last – I think it was like this past weekend it was beautiful, and now this weekend they're saying snow again. But, <laughs> oh, uh, you know. We keep getting tastes of, of good stuff, and I'm I'm hopeful that this is the last bout of some cold weather and, and we'll start moving moving forward yeah. in the spring. Do you, um, I mean, you, you spend a lot of time here uh, in Ohio, at Ohio State, and then as assistant coach at Ohio State, and then I know you, uh, you know, went, to, you were at uh, Texas State, um, but what brought you back to Kent State or in the state of Ohio? Just, you know, what lured you to coming back? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to say the weather right now, this time of year is the best <laughs> part about it, but it hasn't quite turned the corner yet. We're getting there. Um, you know, I think being a Midwest kid growing up, I grew up in North and South Dakota. I'm used to kind of that four seasons of, of change and, and, you know, experiencing all the, the fun stuff that, that winter brings and, and then the spring. And, and, you know, down south at Texas State, you know, we certainly experienced the temperature changes and it was 100 degree heat. And I think right now it's even pretty hot down there. But um, there's just something about, you know, I think the laid back Midwestern feel and I and I just have uh, always enjoyed it my mom's only about six hours from where I am over on the other side of Pennsylvania so there was definitely a uh, uh, an itch to get a little bit closer to her uh, I lost my dad in 2016 actually right around that time that that season was wrapping up in 2016 he passed away in April uh, late April so right before regionals and you know I had the opportunity to become a head coach shortly thereafter and so there's a lot of changes going on um, dealing with all that and took over in the summer of 2016 down there and you know being being a long ways from from your mom at that point in time is tough um so this has kind of been a nice all-around good fit um you know Kent State's been great at golf for a long time on the men's side and the women's side and um just it was just the right time to get kind of closer home too what's uh what's the biggest difference course-wise in in Texas from Ohio Certainly the grass, right? It's Bermuda down there. It can get gnarly, especially when it starts growing in the spring, you get the rain and you get, you know, a lot of people think the weather's great down there. They said, come to South Texas. The winters are awesome. You know, um, we dealt with a dusting of snow first time in like 25 years. So um, I think every climate has its challenges. Some kids do not do well with heat. Some do better. Um, but yeah, the, the Bermuda grass, um, can get kind of gross and, and gnarly and up here I'm just so used to kind of the you know the the rye or the yep. uh, fescue or the bent grass greens are nice um yeah 
So that'd probably be the biggest difference. I was down in uh, Frisco, Texas, two, it would have been two winters for uh, Ohio University. I actually reached, uh, had a bowl game and I was down in Frisco and there was a course attached to the hotel. And that's like the first time I've ever played in December. Uh, it was fantastic yeah. <laughs> being able to get out, being from Ohio and growing up here and living here my whole life. But uh, yeah, the, even then, um, the grass, it was, it was like, it was different. It was almost like the coloring and it was like all yeah, brown. So yeah, golden. And, uh, yeah, so it's really it was really it was just really interesting to me. I mean, I didn't uh care. <laughs> the yeah. sun was out and uh everything, but it almost seemed like do they paint sometimes? Do you do they like spray the grass? Because the greens would the greens would probably stay green, but yeah. um yeah, that dormant Bermuda, as soon as the cold temperatures hit, it it really does. Um but they they might overseed up there, it depending yeah. on you know budgets and stuff like that. Sometimes it overseed with rye so that it does have the green. Yeah, yeah, because they had like a side by side course. The course, of course, that I was playing on was a little more brown, and then this other course was like <laughs> green and nice. So I, I know where I belong, and I knew, uh, you know, what course they put me on. But <laughs> still, to to get out there uh, in December down in Texas, it was it was great. So I, that's like the only time, um, except maybe more recently down in Florida. Uh, that I've been in a climate where you were able to play in December and January. So it's yeah, it's an interesting, <laughs> it's an interesting topic though. You know, like I grew up obviously playing at Ohio state and used to these breaks. I grew up in the Midwest in North and South Dakota where seasons changed and you played, you know, basketball and you ran into, you know, volleyball season or whatever, or soccer. And then it was golf, you know, during the summer. And um, it's nice to have the break. I think a lot of kids yeah. think that what they need in a college experience includes golf all the time. <laughs> and when you go all summer and play those three months, whatever that looks like for your summer schedule, you're playing, you know, two times a month in a tournament maybe, and a lot of practice in between. You come here, you play your fall season, you're into it from basically the end of August all the way through the end of October. Yep. And then all of a sudden you go home, you have your little Christmas break and you come back and you're playing all spring back into the summer. And you don't really have that time to give your body a break, your mental game a break um, and, and really rejuvenate and I think that's that's probably one of the biggest things that I've learned in even just in kind of the recruitment of student athletes to a northern school is built-in breaks are okay yeah um, it's not gonna make you a worse golfer and I think this this pandemic is even showing like a lot of people are like oh what's gonna happen in my golf game it's like it's okay to take a break <laughs> <laughs> well I want to talk about your season a little bit I mean you guys started the fall winning three straight tournaments end up winning five ultimately before the season got canceled I mean what was what was it like kind of coming into the spring with that much momentum? Yeah, I mean, it was a special team, no doubt. Um, obviously, my first year here inherited a great group of girls that really understood just the value of hard work and self-motivation. I mean, there was not a lot of rah-rah pep talks going on. Um, you didn't have to convince them to be out there to do extra, and you didn't have to remind them that other people in the country are doing more. I mean, it was just a special group of individuals that um, knew their job and knew what they needed to do. Um, you know, showing up those first three tournaments in the fall and you're kind of, I mean, my number one job is don't make them worse, right? Like, right. <laughs> stay out of their way. What do you need? Do you need more water? Do you like, like <laughs> do you like, you know, stuff like that. Um, and then you kind of, you're just there to support them. So even in Albuquerque, our first tournament, um, we won, I would say convincingly, like we knew yeah. kind of coming down, it wasn't like a one shot win at Medina. And, um, 
Jenny and I were high-fiving, you know, it's great for our first week out, right? And <laughs> kind of got around the girls near the scoreboard and they were just kind of like business as usual. I'm like, whoa. So we got to the airport. And I <laughs> like leaned over to Jenny. I was like, I think this is kind of like a business trip for these girls. Mm-hmm. And it was in that kind of moment where I was like, okay, this is something different. Mm-hmm. And I had to really... You know, throughout the fall season, I just shut my mouth a lot. You know, there was not a lot of instruction going on. There was not a ton of, you know, there's practice planning to a point, but it, they knew, they knew a lot. So we implemented some different stuff with green reading and Stracoline books and, you know, some other different ways of doing things, which I think was very valuable. And I think they learned a lot from it. I mean, clearly shooting, you know, some, some scoring records, setting some scoring records, excuse me, that we did, um, definitely shows that we we added some value but um all in all when you have a group of individuals that are that good it's just about fine-tuning some little things here and there and making them really you know happy golfers you know at the end of the day they're going to play better yeah yeah you said strackling books it's called strackaline strackaline what was i mean i've i I know golf i've never heard of that what what is that we've got you know our yardage books in front of me right yeah inside that we were getting ready for Augusta State, so we had that printed out. Man, these are memories. Memories. <laughs> so, you know, it kind of looks like this, right? Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. I got you. So, well, I've never had that. Like that um, yeah. So, it kind of, I mean, it tells you a lot of the slope of the greens. Yeah. But you have to understand it and what it means. You know, the percentage of slopes don't mean anything to, to someone that doesn't understand it, right? So, if I tell you it's a 4% slope, it's like, whatever. Um, <laughs> But if you see Adam Scott out there doing this or Stacy Lewis out there doing this, you'll you start to kind of recognize, you know, two fingers is 2%, four fingers is 4%. Mm-hmm. Based on speed of greens, you're going to add arm bend or decrease arm bend and um, kind of gives you a, a great way of predicting the amount of break for a putt. So at the end of the day, we kind of introduced a lot of that. Um, you know, our, our stats program we used was really helpful. I think it kind of broke things down in a really good way for them um, with GameForge. And, you know, I, at the end of the day, like I said, I just, my big thing was don't make them worse. And how can we add some value so that they're more prepared, you know, as, as they're getting ready for, for the competition. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was a great, it was a great season. No doubt it was magical going, going into the spring. We were, um, we were really, you know, we had our site set. I kind of dubbed it as the climb and I think we'll continue the climb. I think that's a huge, um, uh, or a great way of, of explaining kind of, we're on this journey and we're going to take some steps and obviously you're going to, you're going to have some dips and the valleys are, are going to happen. But, and I would say the one value we had was that first uh, event was at UCF and you kind of said going into the spring with, with the momentum we had and we did, but as you know, college golf happens in the fall and the spring and everything counts. You know, we're not, this softball doesn't count during their off season time. Right. They can go play whoever they want. They can play the best team in the country. It doesn't matter if they lose to them. Whereas every time we tee it up in our split season, it matters. It matters for the rankings. So we got to Central Florida and we were staying in a house that week. We had too many vans and it was just really kind of a little bit of a low key vibe. Like it wasn't, I don't know. I just didn't have the vibe and told Jenny, I said, if we get through this week with a win, this is going to be something special because I just, it just was kind of dull and Sure enough, we shot our first overpower round of the year as a team, that first round. Oh, boy, here we go. You know, <laughs> this, is, this is our bump in the road. And they responded beautifully. Um, I think shot 23 under the next two rounds of golf. 
um, and pulled away at the end of the day, that final round kind of won by seven, eight or nine, I keep seven maybe. And they just put a great couple days together. And I looked at, again, Jenny on the way home, and I was like, well, that was special because we got through what I thought was going to be a little bit of a tricky, tricky week. And, um, you know, and who would have, who would have known that our next event, the icon invitation would be our last one. You know, it's just wild. Yeah. That's what I, uh, ask you, like why you love the game and what makes it so special. But one of the things is kind of what you hit on is just, you could have a really bad day, but you do in a lot of these tournaments, um, get that get that second chance and can and can turn it pretty quickly and it's such a crazy day you know the old not joke but you know you hit all your bad shots throughout your whole round and then that final shot of your round is perfect and you're like all right I'm ready to go back out and play the next day and uh and and so so what what do you just love about the game of golf yeah I mean I think you know it's that ultimate challenge right you're not going to have a perfect round I mean I played on the LPGA tour for a number of years and my best finish was 13th, right? Like I never won on tour, but you have those magical days where things are going your way and you still get done. You're like, I could have done that a little bit better. Oh, if that had gone in, that would have been awesome. Um, You know, you shoot 66 and it's like, well, I easily could have shot 65 or remember that lip out. So I think there's that constant strive, you know, to see what your true potential is. And I think golf exposes people. Um, I think it has a unique way of really diving into, yeah, like into your internal like gut and where's your mind and how, how clear is that, you know, when you're getting ready to, to tee it up for something that matters. Um, but it's also a game you can play for a lifetime. And that's what I enjoy about it too, is I got to play a lot of golf with my mom and dad and my brother growing up and we enjoyed it as a family. Um, we would travel and play at some podunk little golf courses. I don't even know how my dad would find them. Um, but you know, throughout even my time on the LPGA tour, you just see so many people at so many different levels enjoying the game. And it's not very often you have a college coach that can play alongside their players in the game that they play. Yeah. You know, I I think that's a unique aspect of golf as well. You don't see a football coach putting on pads and getting in there in the line of scrimmage. I mean, maybe Sean would, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say if there's anyone, it's probably him. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I think that's that's the other magical side of things where, you know, my college coach, Therese Hessian down at Ohio State, like I, she and I could still go play the game together and enjoy a day. You uh, you mentioned your time on the tour. Do you have a, a favorite memory or maybe a, a favorite person you remember competing against? Well, my idol growing up was Beth Daniel. So she, you know, six feet tall, you know, probably felt like 6'5 to me when I was a little kid growing up watching her play. And we were down in Atlantic City and I my parents would drive down, we'd take a day trip, you know. And, we were outside of Philly growing up when I was in high school and I'd watch her hit balls. I mean, her golf swing is just, if you haven't ever watched her hit balls, like YouTube, it is just a thing of beauty. So back in the mid nineties, that was, you know, the reason I even probably dove deeper into golf and wanted to get better. And, you know, so fast forward to, I'm going to approximate 2007 or eight, we were in New Jersey playing in a tournament on the LPGA and Mike Dinda, my short game coach, was there with me and he was caddying that week for me and we were on the putting green and I mean he's we're kind of joking he's got kind of a redneck side to him so he's laying down on the putting green setting up a game or a drill or he's videoing or something like that and I didn't really care it didn't bother me at all I'm like this is who I am this is who he is and we're here right and all of a sudden I kind of look up while he's laying down on the ground getting something set up and 
kind of saw who was just walking onto the green. I looked at Mike and I said, hey, if you were at a PGA Tour event and you were playing and I was coaching you and someone walked on the green, like who would make you kind of go, whoa, like yeah. here I am on tour. He's like, Tom Watson, easy, next question. <laughs> I was like, well, my Tom Watson just walked on the green. He's, <laughs> he started looking around like, who is it? He's like, oh, Beth Daniel. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, shut up. Like, dude, <laughs> I don't need to say anything right now. <laughs> so, you know, it's pretty neat that you can have these idols and you can, you know, like, I mean, think of LeBron. You never got to play with Michael Jordan. I'm sure right. you looked up to him. Um, mm-hmm. So to compete alongside those players. And, you know, since then, I've developed a great friendship with Beth. And we've played golf together now. It's just mm-hmm. kind of a fun day. And it's just, it's wild to think where the game has taken me and, and the experiences I've gotten to, to have. Yeah. I mean, I told the story kind of the other day. I took Eric, uh, who just started golfing. Um, right. Kind of, and and yeah. <laughs> we took him to his first uh, tournament last May. Yeah, the end of May, right, or early mm-hmm. June. We went to the memorial. Yeah. Um, and you get that feeling, you know, we you camp out of that hole to see Tiger hit one shot, right? Like, that's the whole day. But you see the the golf allows you, uh, you know, pretty good access to get pretty close. And and it's when when some of these guys, especially a Tiger Woods, uh, clearly walks up there it's just like like wow and then he hits a shot and you go and you have to probably plan about eight holes again before you can even see him to get through those galleries but but I've I've been to other tournaments um down in when they had Firestone the WGC and I just would camp out you know by the putting green before the round and see all these guys and I was like in awe and they're just hitting putts like I don't don't know I don't know what it is mystical Uh, yeah it is it is no, it's 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 very cool. I'm you know both of our backgrounds are at Augusta right now on our, our yeah. call here today, and you know I I spent in 2007 I believe the year Zach Johnson won it was the first time I got to go. So with an LPGA tour card or teaching professional, now that I have that, um, you can get yourself into the the grounds at Augusta any day. So you just oh, show wow. your badge and your your ID, and you can't take a guest, but you can get yourself in. So I'm like, well, I'm going. I was heading <laughs> to Florida, I think, for Monday qualifier the next week, but I was like, I'm stopping there. So went on Monday, went to the practice round. Oh, okay, this is great. I'm like, well, I'll just go Tuesday as well. So I go Tuesday. <laughs> oh, this is a lot of fun. Like it's like Disney World for golfers. <laughs> yeah. Everything is just impeccable. No grass is out of place. Like not a blade. So Wednesday rolls. I'm like, well, Wednesday is the par three tournament. Like, might as well go to that. That's cool. <laughs> Thursday rolls around. I'm like, well, I mean, it'd be neat to see him compete like in a tournament round. So I keep going. I'm like, I need to get to Florida at some point. (laughs) So I ended up leaving, I think Friday, Friday morning at some point, but I mean, it's just one of those things that you're right. Like there's, you know, I'm a, I don't want to say I'm a golf history nut, but I'm a student of the game. I love the history of it. I love reading books about it. Like there's a book called the match. Um, The greatest game ever played is another book that kind of leads up to the match. And, you know, those are just the type of things that I think I hope that other young players can still realize, like, there's a big history behind our sport, not just to kind of get consumed in, you know, oh, Tiger Woods. Like, he is awesome, and I totally respect him on the golf course, but I think there's another side to it that, you know, there's been a lot of trailblazers, especially on the women's side, that have led us to, to be able to experience what we can, and um, it, it's just, it's a neat, it's a neat game, for sure. Absolutely. Would you say Augusta would be the one course you would play if, if you could? Uh, uh, yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, you want to go tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I drop everything for sure, and I think it'll be neat because in in November, and I think actually, um, Coach Fleck talked talked about this being in November. It's going to afford a lot of college coaches the opportunity that they normally don't have to yeah. maybe go and um, and to watch it. So, yeah, it's I've been to a lot of places in the world, and and that would be one to just be able to soak it in and go play. Yeah. Coach Holtz, you know, we got to get a hold of him. <laughs> with uh with um the quarantine situation everything i'm sure uh or maybe you're talking to your team here and there uh but i also saw i went through your twitter account you've been with the uh wgca you guys put together some fun videos i yeah, saw you you know it's it's been an interesting time like um <laughs> yeah i did a little dance as well yeah if you could recognize me i guess with my red hair right yeah, um, little, little cousin it Type yeah, vibe there. So <laughs> like, I saw it when we when you had that call to action from our board. I was like, "Wow, okay, this is going to pull some people out of their comfort zones." I mean, I like I do like to have fun. I'm not afraid to have a little let your hair down kind of moment. So that was uh, that was a good time. But you know, it's a, it's about how can we create that connection and how can we let people know that as a board, you know, the WGCA, our coaches association, is there for people that need us and we're there to support them and anything they they need. So um, doing stuff like that, doing Zoom calls with our team. Um, we've kind of been a little bit, they've been in finals, so we've kind of been more hands-off lately, just letting them get their work done. Uh, we had a, a really cool call with our men's team uh, a couple weeks ago. We had Cord Connors on, and he, you know, it was really neat. We had the PGA Tour um, the highlights are on YouTube, so his final, well, it's actually pretty much just four rounds, the highlights, but then it really dives in a little bit more in the final round, and it was cool to have him talk us through what was going on in his mind. Um, again, you know, you don't really get that opportunity a lot. So to have a former Kent State player not far removed from his time here, dive in and, and really, you know, yeah, it was really dope. You know, I was in my process. I wasn't worried about the outcome or, you know, hey, leading up to that week, I knew things were building and kind of gave some good insight. Um, both the men's and women's team had some good questions for him. And, and he even talked about just kind of outside of, normal tournament week say this is what my preparation looks like you know this is how much time I'm spending on basic fundamental stuff wedge practice and this is what this looks like he gave some great examples but I think more than anything it was neat to kind of see like hey here's a PGA Tour winner who was at Kent State not long ago in your shoes practicing in our facility and playing windmill and playing around the area golf courses here and um, I think they got a lot out of that that was a that was a, a nice valuable use of our time i mean he spent probably an hour and a half with us oh, and um was not bashful at all about you know hey it's hard work like if you're going to win on the pga tour like you don't just luck your way into it um there's a lot of luck involved in winning but you to get to there and to get the opportunities in front of you and to have you know a few of them because he was i think at the valspar as well he was kind of leading going to that final round or close to the lead so he's had some opportunities and, and to really kind of see that progression of finally getting over the hump was neat to share with our kids yeah we we do a instagram live interviews as well and i had the chance to talk to Mackenzie hughes uh about a month well i don't know time, time. <laughs> yeah, time I, is, I don't know what day is what but i i talked to Mackenzie because he he was second at the honda classic um uh, you know and that was one i think that was the last tournament that they completed i think they played another mm -hmm. one but then they stopped it after that but yeah to hear that from you know, to get that access from someone that's on tour and he was so close to to getting that win, um, which would have been his first win. And uh, a guy like Corey, who who was able to do that. Yeah, to, to hear kind of the mental process. We talked the other day about 
um, again, with Tiger watching the Masters and hearing him kind of play by play the whole round or, yeah. or the final round, I should say. Um, it's just cool to get in the mind because it's, you know, we, we go out there and you're mad about a shot or mad about something and uh, just you kind of are like, oh, yeah, well, I feel that way uh, sometimes, you know, when I hit a bad shot and I have to rebound or think of different things or not think. And, uh, yeah, to, to get that access is really cool. So that's that's an awesome yeah, that, thing for that you. That was kind of where we got the idea between that and a, and a guy I worked with personally, Brian Kite. Um, you know, he seeing Phil do it on Saturday and then Tiger do it on Sunday, I think that, you know, it just makes it more human. Yeah. Hey, we were nervous too. Or, Hey, we were, you know, Phil and Tiger don't give maybe as much of their secrets away, (laughs) but Corey's very just open and honest. And and it was the first time I had met him via Zoom or anything and any interaction, but he was just so down to earth about it and his approach. And he's like, look, you know, like you got to get your, like we talk, I said, can you back us up? If you had an 8 a.m. tea time, can you back us up into, you know, what that looks like 24 hours beforehand? And he's, I mean, he's going to bed at nine o'clock. Like, it's not like he's burning the midnight oil watching Netflix or playing Fortnite, you know, like, and I think our kids need to hear that. Like, if you want to be the best, there's ways that you've got to use your time. And we all have the same amount in our day. But if you really want to be the best at what you're doing, there's some sacrifices along, or, you know, maybe it's sacrifice in your world, but to, to Corey, it's just, you know, it's just another habit that he's instilled. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess speaking on, on teaching, uh, Jeremy mentioned, I, I did just kind of get into golf with, like the past few years. What would be your biggest piece of advice if you had, if you had to give me one piece to, to kind of improve? Well, my- I first ask kind of how athletic you are. I consider myself athletic. He's athletic, but it was, uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> it, it was, you know, you could tell he's just starting to play golf. That's all. So expectation level be one, right? You want to make sure you approach it like, Hey, there's going to be a timeline here of, you know, me getting from a to B is in the enjoyment factor Mm because it's going to be frustrating. Yeah. Just like, I mean, I'm working on my piano skills right now and I'm like, I hear it. I see the keys, but my brain is not processing what I need to do. Um, I would say, you know, get with someone that understands the golf, swing and then I think there's a lot to be said for practicing your short game doing some stuff like speed control stuff like I think that gets overlooked because they want to get a golf swing perfect at the beginning um there's a lot of ways to swing a golf swing um and there's no doubt that you're going to shoot lower scores the better you hit it but you can't neglect some of the things that as a beginner you can get pretty good at um three four five footers you know doing some of those things and I think you know keeping in mind, like, you're not going to be a professional golfer. Right, right. I just expect really to into it competitive it. when I go out in a, in a foursome. That's it. That's Our, right. You, right. You want to show up and know yep. what you're doing yep. and you're yep. around the golf course. And then, yeah. Yeah. And I would we, say we my other just little piece of advice when you're on the golf course is do it quickly. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> because I've been with players that you know, they might shoot a hundred. I was actually in a Monday qualifier. This is no joke in San Diego. My buddy Kristen caddied for me flew her out there she wasn't doing much that week or something and we got paired with a local person don't remember her name but she shot 100 mm-hmm. and she did so fast I didn't even know she shot 100 till we got done. <laughs> I shot 69 and got in in the Monday qualifier and she looked at me afterwards the other player and she's like that was amazing I'm like 
sure was because you were topping your tee shots and you were doing this but you know I'm like you did it so fast it didn't even bother me yeah. usually <laughs> so, I give up after the first few so yeah. I'm mostly yeah. just a walk the course type of guy right now so. yeah you know and hey starting you don't have to I would say this as I'm thinking about it, you don't have to play from like the blue tees yep the tips like go up to the 150 yard marker and like tee off from there don't feel like your ego has to be in the way mm-hmm. You know, like, I think people then get frustrated real fast. It's like, oh, I'm teeing off from 400 yards away, and now there's no chance of me making it. Maybe your par is a six on a hole or seven. Yeah. You know, adjusting your expectation. Jeremy definitely makes sure my ego is in check at all times. (laughs) (laughs) It was fun. It was fun. But it's such a game, too, that you have to play a lot. You have to practice a lot. You have to get out there. If, you know, you know around these times here, like every – I mean, I'm not – believe me I'm not a great great golfer but I have what Eric's looking for I can go out hold my own if even if I get paired with three strangers I'll feel fine golfing but I'm not shooting 60s or 70s for that matter so getting out remember only 10% of the population shoots under 100 yeah wow that makes me feel better (laughs) think about that yeah that's how good our college players are oh yeah yeah sometimes they forget how good they are Right. Yeah. So it's, it's getting out there. I worked at a course for six years in high school and I was able to play every day and go to the range when I was done with work is like being a bag boy. So being even able to do that, that's when I played my best golf because I was playing every day and going up to the range every day. And now, you know, it takes me a few rounds every spring to get back in the swing. Usually my first round is at windmill because Herbie's a great guy and still takes care of us. So, that's right. that's uh, great. so, you know, that's, that's, uh, but it's not exactly an easy course to have your first round on, uh, for, for no, not with those three line fairways. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's pretty narrow. So number 10 is a lot easier from what I've heard in years past that tree that was on the corner is down. So all right. I wasn't around when that thing was overhanging and it was just a super tight tee shot. I, I, I can't wait uh, to get back. That's that's yeah. for sure. Pretty soon. I thought it was going to be this past weekend. It didn't work out, but uh, I think it's I think it's, it's going to be. Coach, I have just we, I think we just have two questions uh, left. More rapid fire. We asked Coach Fleck the other day uh, his dream foursome, and uh, who who would you love to play with? Man, he had a good one, too. I got to tell you, his dad, Jack Nicholas, and Fred Couples. And the only reason I remember it is because I'm like, I could tee it up in that group, too. Yeah. My dad, that'd be awesome. Jack, for sure. And Freddie was my favorite growing up on the men's side. So good for him to call out the same people. But, I, you know, I'd have to throw in, like I said, with my dad, for sure. Beth Daniel would be in there. Yeah. And I guess if I had to pick someone, maybe it'd be more – someone outside of golf and just kind of see, pick their brain a little bit, you know, someone like a coach K or, you know, if you could go and they don't have to be alive, maybe be a John Wooden, you know, just to kind of go more along the lines of spending four hours with that person, maybe going out to eat afterwards. Um, you know, I just, I'm curious and what makes other coaches great. And I think that a lot of that carries over from sport to sport. It doesn't, doesn't necessarily matter what the sport is. So It'd be a great day spent. Yeah, that, that'd be a good day to be out there. I, I have one final before Eric wraps things up. But uh, like I said, I went on your Twitter account. I see, and I'm guessing you're a big Celtics fan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Huge Celtics fan. Larry so so who, who's your Mount Rushmore of Celtics? Favorite Celtic. Not the best. Yeah. But your favorite. I mean, it's got to be 
Bird's got to be my George Washington, I guess. <laughs> uh, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, DJ. Um, but then, you know, there's some more recent ones too. And I just, I think that, that, that kind of stands the test of time, though, of, of all the championships they put together. Danny Ainge was great, though. So I do, you, do you hate Kyrie Irving as much as we do? Do I hate what? Kyrie Irving as much as we do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, I think his time spent there was, I don't know, it was just kind of a passing, fleeting moment. Or yep, and same with that, so. but, You know, and, and it's sad because I think in professional sports, even these days, we don't see the um, – the value of kind of a long-term commitment. I mean, like even a Tom Brady, look at him. Yep. Yeah. And again, I'm not a Tom Brady fan because he went to the wrong school in my opinion. <laughs> um, but really, do you need to keep playing? Yeah. What are you doing it for? Like, and that's just, again, I know a lot of people idolize him and they can't wait to see him play. And Jenny, our assistant, she's a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. So she's like, Oh, we're going to win the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> at the end of the day, I'm like, you had your moment. You've had your long time career. Couldn't you just play for one team? Couldn't you be the guy that just stuck it out and just? Yeah, yeah. Would it would have been nice. It would have been yeah. nice. We'll we'll Talk see. About the money these days. <laughs> he's he's uh, putting himself out there to see if it's him or if, if it was Belichick. And I'm of the belief that it's been a combination of the two. Sure. But um, yeah, you get a good down team there. has a good combination of that, right? Yeah, you know? yeah. So. I think he's getting closer to his retirement age so he can check out the villages up the road from Tampa. Yeah, it's, it doesn't sound too bad to me. <laughs> well, Coach, we really appreciate you taking the time with us today. Obviously, it was a, a lot of fun, and uh, we hope to get out on the course very soon and, and look forward to uh, you know many more uh, tournaments coming up. So Yeah, I appreciate, appreciate it. I can't wait to get back out there too. And you know, hopefully everyone's staying safe and healthy. And you know, I know that – one thing we'll hopefully all get out of this is the next time we're, we're on a golf course or we're competing on a court or whatever that looks like for any, for any athlete or coach is that we'll definitely uh, savor it a little bit more. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, coach. We appreciate yeah, it. Right, you guys have a great day. We'll get you out there to see Eric swing sometime. You got it. You got it anytime. I'll help you out. Oh man. no. Oh, I yeah, feel send me a video. Well, practice around at the Mac tournament. I'll be there. I'll okay, the I like good. that. I like that. All right, you got a lot of time to practice. Yeah. Well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. You got it. Take care. Bye.